Welcome, friend. We are so glad you've joined us to listen in as ordinary people share their extraordinary stories of how one man changed their lives forever. No two stories are the same, yet it's our hope that you'll relate enough to want to meet the same man all our listeners have met. Listen as my friends tell me about a man that gave them hope and love beyond their wildest imaginations. Dakota Scott, welcome to Tell Me About a Man podcast. Hello, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, I'm excited to have you. Um, a little technical difficulty to get things started, but I think we're good to go now. Persistence, Techn- right? Technology is always great when it works, but not when it doesn't work. It is great when it's great. Yep. And um, though some of us are not skilled in it, so we get a little frustrated and panic a tad, but we made it. We're here. Dakota, tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, what keeps you busy these days. Uh, well, I am in student ministry, and uh, currently uh, I am serving at Second Baptist Houston at the West Campus as the youth pastor, and so I oversee our youth ministry and our youth ministry staff here at the West Campus, uh, which is really cool. We've been I've been doing that for two years now, uh, just even this month that I hit two years. Um, and really, I've done ministry for the last ten years of my life, and um, you know, it's been it's been a lot. It's been fun. It's um, this job has been the hardest job that I've ever had, um, but I've learned a lot and grown a lot in the Lord, and um, really, you know, yeah, just uh, just a lot because it's you know full time job with a lot of moving parts. But then you know, we have three girls now. Uh, when I was at Lindsay. We only had one and a half or so, I think, something like that. One was in the other. Came with one, left uh, with two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just had Livia, and um, now we have three. And, um, awesome. And, you know, it's just a lot different context, a lot different type. Uh, the, the ministry is, is much different in the way we do things, and so it's, mm. it's a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, so we met when you, like you said, came to Lindsay first. How, what year was that? Um, I came to Lindsay in 2016, um, and then I think I left 2019. So, wow, we've known y'all nine years, right? Is my math right? Yeah. Four, five, seven Yeah, years, sure. Years. That's crazy. Sure, that I, sounds nuts. I know, right? We'll have Shelly on in another episode. Um, you guys have always just been someone that I look up to in your walk. You're, um, you're very relatable. And I just thought um, it would be really important to give you guys an opportunity to share your stories, um, how you came to know a man named Jesus and how he's, how he changed your life um, and sure. what life looked like before that and after that. So give us a little um, insight on little Dakota. Um, well, little Dakota, um, you know, I grew up in a really small town, Oklahoma, um, specifically, you know, Comanche, Eureka area. Um, and growing up, uh, I, um, I lived by Eureka Lake. And so there wasn't a lot to do growing up, except for what well, I say that there was a lot to do, you know, being out and out, outside and in the woods and at the lake and all that. But that gets bored, boring after a while. And um, growing up, I would go to church with just different people, whoever would kind of take me to church because my parents didn't go to church. Um, I lived with my mom and uh, my stepdad, and then my dad lived in just about 45 minutes to an hour away. 
Um, and my dad didn't go to church a whole lot. He's Catholic. And so he'd go to mass maybe, you know, once a week or, or a couple times a month. And so growing up, I didn't really have church. Like that wasn't a thing for me. Um, you know, we'd go to VBS, stuff like that. And I remember when I was about 12 years old, I was at a revival in Warica, Oklahoma at a little church plant there. And, um, I just remember God, you know, they, they shared the gospel. They, they kind of shared the gospel through a skit. Um, and the skit, you know, had Jesus and had the devil. And, you know, then, then at the end they did it kind of, Hey, here's what just happened. Here's a summary. Here's the gospel presentation. And you need to respond because of Jesus. And I don't remember a ton about the message. Um, what I remember though, is a lot about the conviction. And I, and so in that moment, I just remember going down and, and getting saved and, and trusting Jesus as Lord of my life. And like I said, after that, uh, or I, I didn't have a church. So after that, there, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to try to be this different person. Uh, because before that, it was just, hey, I, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't remember a ton about like the kind of kid I was. I, I know like when I was little, I was, you know, I was bullied as a, as a, as a, as a student uh, as a young elementary kid and I was kind of chubby and, and stuff like that. And so I just remember when I got saved, knowing and believing, hey, you know what? God loves me for me. Um, and um, and I want to be the best person that I can be because of what he's done for me. And that next year um, that I met a really good friend and he invited me to go to Falls Creek that summer. So the next summer. So what is Falls and, Creek? Falls Creek um, is, it is a Christian camp in Oklahoma owned by uh, Oklahoma Baptist. And it is uh, over a hundred plus years old. Uh, and it is, it's a unique camp just because most Southern Baptist churches in Oklahoma go to this camp. Uh, and so I'd heard about Falls Creek. I heard a little bit. I didn't know much. I just knew it was church camp. And so I decided to go. My parents let me go. I didn't think they would let me go. And I ended up getting to go. And I just remember that summer, you know, God really um, spoke to me um, and really just helped kind of solidify for me. Yes, you are saved, but here's, you know, you need to start going to church. You need to start, you know, doing these things as a Christian. And so you're like 13 at this time. Yeah, yeah, I'm 13 uh, and okay. figuring out life. And uh, so I I go to False Creek, fall in love with, with just False Creek and just the experience, but then come back and the youth pastor who is now the pastor of that church, it's Patterson Avenue Baptist Church in Comanche, Oklahoma. He, uh, you know, he really modeled for me what I try to do in ministry. And that is he was a servant and um, he lived about, probably 45 minutes from me, but that first couple months after camp, he would drive early in the morning, pick me up and take me to church until he found wow. somebody that lived by me that I would then ride with the church on Sundays and Wednesdays. And really from that point forward, I was at church every time the doors were open. Um, mm. And God really began to give me a burden for his church. Um, and really because the church Patterson Avenue Baptist Church modeled for me what it looked like to take care of the people that are in the church. And so that became my home church, Patterson Avenue Church. And um, and really from that moment on, um, that's what I began to really 
kind of develop a, a deeper faith, a, a, a better understanding of what it meant to trust Jesus as Lord of my life. Um, and uh, that's all in the, in this, um, in this, in, in really in this time, what's going on in my life at home is I, I grew up in a home of brokenness. And what I mean by that is both my mom and stepdad, uh, you know, they drank, uh, they were alcoholics. Um, maybe they wouldn't claim that, but you know, there was always beer in the fridge. There was always a 12 pack coming home. Uh, and you know, there was a lot of fighting in the home growing up and, you know, to the point my stepdad would abuse my mom physically and verbally. And so growing up, I went, kind of went through all that. And so as I'm kind of growing up 13, really beginning to understand like, Hey, this is not right. This is wrong. Um, I beginning to question too with God, like, Hey, why is this happening? Like, like why, you know, the whole question of, you know, if God's real, why do bad things happen? And God really at a young age helped me understand, you know, look, one things happen for a reason, but two, um, the evil in the world happens because of sin, because we are, you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's righteous. No one's good. And yeah, you, you know, you love your mom and you care for your mom, but at the end of the day, she's just as much of a sinner as anybody else. And, you know, sin is just your brokenness and that type of brokenness is a result of our sinful nature. And, uh, and so, yeah, so I, you know, growing up just continued to, um, go to church, work through that. Things got worse as I got into high school at home. And, um, you know, fast forward to my, my, my senior year, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I had created this plan where I'm going to go play college baseball. I'm going to go be a physical therapist. I'm going to do everything that everybody else has wanted for me, do everything that I thought I wanted for myself. And uh, my senior year, my, I move out of my house because of just things got worse at home. And um, so my, the second semester of my senior year, I moved out and um, living with some friends. And my youth pastor, who I have continued to have a great relationship with, he goes, hey, and again, this is him modeling what it looks like to take care of people. Hey, why don't you live with me? And I'm just like, wow. mm. I'm like, no, I, I, like, I love you. And, and I know you love me, but like, you know, in, really inside what's going on is I, I still wanted to do what I wanted to do. I still wanted my freedom because when I got my license, it was, I, I was pretty much never home and not because I was a bad kid, but because my mom trusted me so much. Like I got good grades. I was never in trouble that I, I just kind of did what I wanted. And so the, I didn't want to give that freedom up and uh, I appreciated him for that and, and always will. But I just, I was like, no, I'm okay. I'm going to live with my friends. And, um, and so then a couple months later, you know, so this is January and in like March, you know, around spring break, we go on a mission trip and he's like, Hey, why don't you be an intern for me this summer? And I said, sure, I'll intern for you, but I'm never going to do ministry. Like, but I'll intern for you. And he Famous goes, last words. Let's, yeah, kind of smirks and just says, okay, yeah, great. Okay. And really, I, you know, if he, maybe one day he'll listen to this, but I know what he was doing, right? He was, now that I'm a youth pastor, he was really trying to keep me out of trouble because he knew what was going on at home and, and he just knew, you know, he didn't want to see me. Um, and maybe he did know that there was this sense of call of ministry in my life, you know, um, but I, I think for the most part, it was, hey, I want to try to keep Dakota out of trouble because I could see mm. how easily he could get into some trouble. Um, because there's a lot of depth to this, to the path, to the family life there that I could have gotten to a lot of trouble. And so, uh, 
So I said yes. And that summer I led out in VBS and did rec and got to lead a, a young lady to Christ who is actually really good friends with your daughter. Um, and which was really awesome. And uh, I've got to see her grow up and, and turn into a great godly woman. But uh, and then, you know, kind of just was like, oh, cool. That was fun. But then Falls Creek, he's like, hey, I want you to be in charge of a of a small group. And I said, mm, OK, sure. Like that's I'm your intern. Sure. And uh, so I and you're, have you're what age, what you're in college what what age are you? I'm a 20? senior, so it's the summer of uh, after I've just graduated. It's the summer of my senior oh, year. Oh, okay. And Eighteen I'm, years and old. So I, yeah, so I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll I'll be a you know because again, I love the church. I'm at the church every time the doors open. I'm like, sure. And so he puts the pastor's son in my group, and I'm just like, what? Because he's a junior high kid at the time, and so I I just remember that week just starting off like and really that summer god began to send you know people began to come to me as like a leader and you know i, I was a leader for our for our team baseball team and god's kind of developing me as a leader and i'm just like yeah i'm not really a leader i'm the kid that used to get bullied like i'm not the, the leader kid and uh but at church like you know the the pastor's kids like hey what do you know about this scripture in this passage and i'm just like uh i think you should, probably shouldn't ask me i should probably be asking you you know and the whole pastor kids thing. And, but that week that, you know, God's using the, the small group time. God's using the speaker. God's using my pastor, my, my youth pastor in cabin time, really just saying, Hey, I want you to do ministry. And the whole time I'm just like, nah, like I, here's all these excuses. Like I can't do it because right? I, my family, I can't do it because I didn't grow up to church. I can't do it because mm. I have this plan. Like I just can't do it. And so all week, like I'm giving excuses, but for every excuse that I give, God answers it, like whether that's in the quiet time that I'm having, whether that's in the the, the preachers speaking in the evening time, my my youth pastor speaking in devotional time. He's answering every rebuttal that I have, and I'm just like, so Friday he's just night pursuing he's still, you, he's pursuing yeah, you, yeah, yeah. It's still like Friday night. I'm finally like, oh, like I can just feel it, and um, and so I like I go to you know everybody goes to bed, and it's like one o'clock. Friday night. And I'm just like, Oh, I was like, Kelly, can we talk? He's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, man, I just, and I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of emotional and I don't really get emotional. And he goes, what's going on? And I'm like, man, I think, Hey, God's calling me to ministry. And he's like, awesome. <laughs> God's going to be a youth pastor. And I was like, Whoa. Like, I remember saying, don't say that out loud. And he's right? just like, why not? He's like, why not? God knows. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I don't want anybody else to know. And he's like, yeah, but God knows. And I'm like, but yeah, I guess. And so, you know, from that point forward, it was just this tug of war with God. Like, you know, mm. I'm going to play baseball. I'm doing like, and, and so that whole first semester of college. So, you know, fast forward to college. I tried to run away from it the rest of the summer. It didn't really work. And I get to college and um, joined the BCM, you know, met my best friend, Matt Henderson, and um, a couple other friends like Hunter Quickle and, you know, they're just the whole time like, I thought you were doing ministry. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but I got to do baseball first. You know, like I'm going to try to do both. Mm -hmm. And and I think, like I believe in my head, like I can do both. Well, then I go to on this mission trip to Southeast Asia and come back and I'm like, oh man, I do love ministry. I love people. I love doing that. And um, baseball season is going to start soon. And so I try to get my mind off of it. But then my, my best friend, Matt, 
who's also a youth pastor in Oklahoma, he asked me this question because he has a, he's a couple years older and has a similar baseball kind of story. And he just says, hey, are you going to get better at baseball here? And I was at Cameron University in Lawton at the time. And I said, no, we, we're not. No, we suck. The, the coaches are not that good. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to get better. And he's like, well, then let me ask this question. Like, what's the point? And I was like, well, to get to the next level. He's like, okay, so if you're not good enough to get, like, if this is not going to get you to the next level, then why are you still doing it? And I'm just like, oh, you suck. And let's not talk. <laughs> but right? he had a great point. Well, you know, the point was like, God has a plan for you. And the plan is he's made that clear to you. And he's given you gifts in that. And you're running away from it because you want to do your plan. And I'm just like. So did your yeah, friend. My plan's a good what, plan. Did, did he know that you were hiding because really that's what you were doing. You were hiding from God. Did he oh, know yeah. that you were hiding or was he just asking like God was just using him to ask random questions or did, was he asking no. those questions because he knew you were hiding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knew. So it was one of those things like I got to, you know, because I ended up, you know, joining the BCM and going to the BCM, getting on the BCM leadership team, sharing my, you know, share my testimony very similar to what I just did here. And so everybody's like, okay, so then why aren't you doing ministry? I'm like, well, because I, I'm going to play baseball and go be a physical therapist. And so like everybody else that probably like, they're probably thinking this guy's an idiot, but in my head, it all made sense. Like I'm going to play baseball as long as I can and get this degree and like go, you know, and after I get this degree, then I'll just do like my, cause my youth pastor at the time, he was just part time. So I didn't think, you know, I come from this really small town. I'm just like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be physical therapist and part time, you know, ministry. But God was like, no, 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 like, I want you to be all in with ministry. And I'm just like, no, like, I want to do this. Like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And and so God used Matt to really help me kind of connect those dots. And that, that kind of shook my world. And I remember just thinking, I have to give up baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and I have to change my major. And I'm just like, well, what am I going to change my major to? I don't have, like, my plan was awesome. Like I had a, I had it developed after school and everything. I'm just like, what? And so I finally like gave, give in and submit and yield, you know, and, um, and, and so I go and change my major and, and I quit baseball. And at this time I'm living with my dad. My dad lives about 20 minutes from Cameron university in Cash, Oklahoma. And, uh, and me and him, very rocky relationship. There's some tension there and some animosity. You know, he's been, you know, his dude, his own self for a long time. And we just, we were fighting back and forth, especially when I went to Southeast Asia. He's like, what are you doing? You're wasting all your money. And I raised all the money. And and so there's just a lot there. And I just remember I go tell him and my, because at that point, me and my mom aren't really talking. And so I go and tell my dad, like, I'm living with him. And so I'm like, hey, I'm going to, I've changed my major and I quit baseball and I tell him and my grandma, my Oma, and they go, what? Right. My dad's like, <laughs> what do you, what? He's like, that's, that's a dumb, you're stupid. Like that's a, that's a mistake. And I'm like, no, like I'm going to be a youth pastor. He's like, you're going to be broke and like your whole life. And like, that's just stupid. That's not a, like you're waste. What? Just very like not understand. Cause again, you know, he grew up Catholic and, and so he just doesn't understand, you know? And I just like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. And so for me, it wasn't like, you know, most people right here that like, wow, you were on your own. And like, yeah, in a sense, but like, I had been so used to doing things on my own for a long time. And I was just like, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Like I'm making my own decision. Like it's always been that way. And so that's what I'm doing. 
And now that doesn't mean it was easy from that point forward, but it, it was easier in the sense like now I was all in with it and I wasn't turning back. And so that summer I go and I go and work at False Creek that summer of 2012. Mm -hmm. And I worked there for two summers, 2012 and 2013. Um, and then I come back from 2013 and I start my first part-time youth ministry position at Chattanooga Baptist Church. And, um, and really from that point forward, you know, I did school and I was a part-time youth pastor and I worked part-time at a Christian bookstore. And when I graduated, I knew I wanted to be full-time somewhere and started looking. It took about nine months to find First Baptist Lindsay, who gave me a shot. And, uh, and, and now I'm here. And then that, on all of that, you know, I met Shelly, who you're going to have later. We met at False Creek and we started dating the, in July of that summer and um just continued dating throughout that and it was funny you know maybe she'll tell you this or not but i i remember i asked her we you know we'd gone on like two dates maybe or three and i said hey listen i'm gonna be a youth pastor and you need to be good with that because if not like you're, we're just wasting our time because like that means you're gonna be you know you're gonna be a pastor's wife and like you just need to be good with that and she was kind of yeah. like yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. I could do that. You know, she probably knows right? her exact words, but, and then really right after that, I asked her to be my girlfriend. Like, I was like, okay, great. And then from that point forward, I just knew like, I'm going to marry her and we're going to be in this together. And we have ever since. And, um, and now we're, you know, we're 10 years into ministry or, you know, and, and now I'm at second Baptist Houston in Houston, Texas, and we have three kids and, uh, and God has really moved and, done a lot of crazy things in my life but um it's been really cool to see what he's done in my life and where he's brought me and I, and, and you know yeah. just to give context i'm in katy texas which is massive um we yeah. have we have you know katy school district is its own district and what i mean by that is all of the schools within katy play their own like they play each other for sports like that's the district. Um, there's there they're all six A schools, uh, and there's about um, nine six A schools here. Uh, and so just just high school kid wise, um, nine times there's about twenty seven thousand high school kids in the area. Wow, that's just high school kids. And so uh, I graduated from Comanche, Oklahoma, in two thousand eleven with sixty nine kids in my class. Right. Now we had we had a hundred to begin with, okay. So right. we just have things happen, but and the class after this had like hundred and twenty. But like so, like I I'm trying to help these kids understand, like God can take you from nothing mm. and, and really use you in ways that you never thought you could if you just trust Him and say yes. And so people always ask, like, how did you get here? And I just said, well, I learned the hard way. You just have to say yes to God and put your mm. yes on the table. And if you do that. God will do things in your life you never thought you could accomplish. And yeah. now I'm at a church that is not, it's a mega church. And, you know, I have eight staff members that I lead for the youth ministry, um, oh. which is crazy to me. But it's also awesome because I'm at a church that really believes in students and student ministry. And uh, it's, a, it's an honor and it's humbling to be the person to say, yeah, I get to lead this team and get to lead the student ministry and uh, it's a huge blessing huge challenge but a huge blessing that's so 
Awesome. Um, and it's, it's cool to hear it all again. I've heard it before and I, I love it. And it is cool to see even just in the seven years where you've um, come from, you know, Lindsay's just as small as Comanche, if not smaller, you know, and, and here you are. Yeah, so yeah. super proud of you. Um, I want to go back just a little bit. Um, do you see yourself as a chain breaker or legacy changer? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'm the only, um, you know, Ooh, I, <laughs> I yes, I would say so. You know, especially on my mom's side of the family, none of them are really um, believers. Um, and I say that, and if they hear this, they probably would argue with me. But um, in the, in the sense of being a faithful follower of Christ, um, somebody who's trusted Him as Lord of their life, that definition, that biblical definition of what it means to be a follower, I would I would say that probably I'm the only Christian in my family um, that truly follows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Um, now, they, they may get mad when they hear that, but that's the reality when you look they at They know how to contact you. <laughs> yeah, you know, biblically <laughs> defining what it means to be a follower of Christ and what it means to live for Him. At the end of the day, that means that our lives revolve around who He says we are and really what He tells us to do with our lives, not what we just decide we want to do or, hey, why don't you just come along with my plan, Jesus, right? That, that's not what it means to be a follower of Christ. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, that's something me and Shelly talk about a lot is for our kids, we want to, our three girls, we want to make sure we model for them what it looks like to have a healthy marriage. You know, we our marriage hasn't been perfect. Our relationship is where we've went through some junk, but we want our, you know, we want our girls to see like, hey, mommy and daddy will never use the d word divorce because like at the end of the day that's not what marriage is about and we want you to understand what it means to have a biblical relationship and so we're trying to helpfully create a generation you know a new generation of scots now they'll get new names later because they're all girls and all that and i've heard heard that all day but yeah so like yeah i would say i'm a chain breaker you know generational i i think i hope so that's cool. My, um, well, I mean, I am. You know, our seven-year-old accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior two weeks ago. So there you go. Praise there you the go. Lord. And I, yeah. you know, I mean, our goal is always to give our kids better than what we had. And I think our parents were probably trying to do the same. But then you think about, exactly. like, man, if you've done this for your girls, oh my gosh, what are they going to do for your grandkids? You know, and so exactly. it's just really yeah. cool. It's just neat to see that. Does everyone who becomes a born again believer as a young person who's still figuring out and they're called to ministry does that automatically mean they have to be a pastor or a youth pastor or something like that because because yeah. sometimes that's heavy like they're i mean i know for me and you have been a part of that i mean there was a time in my mm -hmm. adulthood when i really felt god like there was this call it was a super summer i was like i know i was called to women's ministry and i'm like what does that even look like i mean i'm in my 40s you know and we're like what does that mean you're, do I have to like start an Instagram page and start blowing things up and, you know, kind of work that out to someone who might be listening yeah. and going, man, I relate to Dakota's story. I am, you know, mm. 18, 19 years old and I know the Lord's calling me. Well, then that means I have to be a youth pastor. Yeah. That, I love that you asked that question. It's funny you asked that question. I, that's something I've talked to a lot of students and people about the last year, year and a half. At the end of the day, the truth is every believer is called to ministry. Ephesians Absolutely. chapter. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ephesians tells us that. I, I want to. I was going to say chapter five, but I'm, that's the marriage chapter. But uh, Ephesians, you know, Paul talks about that as as overseers, as 
as shepherds, you know, our job is to equip the saints for ministry. Uh, I was telling a student this at our mission trip at Screen Break. She's like, hey, so like, how do I get into ministry? And I was like, well, what do you mean by that question? She's like, well, you know, like you. And I'm like, well, the reality is you, you have a ministry back home with your school, with your volleyball team, like, like your family, like every believer is called the ministry. And so even to say like, I was called to ministry, like, the, you know, that's the thing I've been trying to work through lately. That's not really accurate. Like, because we're mm. all called to ministry, you know, mm. what I would say is God has, has said, Hey, I want you to, um, you know, be, a, 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 you know, shepherd to my people. I, I don't even know why, like, if that makes sense. But at the end of the day, every person who becomes a born again believer that trusts Jesus as Lord and Savior is expected to have a ministry, at least in the context that they're in. Now, for somebody who's like, man, I want to work at a church or something like that, that, now that's a little different, I think. I don't know how I would define that. I'm still working through that definition or what that what you would call that. But And maybe it is just we simply just say, hey, you're called to ministry. But even that's kind of confusing, right? Because every believer is called to minister to the people around them, to lead them to Christ and to show them Christ. And every believer is called to make disciples, you know? That's yeah, what I love about the Great Commission is the, the Great Commission expects you to already be sharing the gospel it doesn't commission you to share the gospel it commissions you to make disciples so it expects you hey you're you're already sharing the gospel with people and when they get saved now what i want you to do is i want you to baptize them and i want you to teach them everything that i've commanded you right like i want you to make them disciples who then go and make disciples right and so as believers we're commissioned to make disciples and expected to already be sharing the gospel and so every believer is called to ministry now now that you know for me that was hey i want you to be in full-time ministry i want you to go and be a leader and lead god's people um you know at a young age i said oh that's called the ministry i don't know if that's the right language anymore but uh it's definitely something i think it could you know and sometimes the word vocation keeps coming up in my head like um, you know, it it could just be your vocation is where you are, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the mom who is raising three kids at home and doesn't have a vocation, meaning a paying gig, her ministry is her children, you know, or maybe it's her neighbor, it's her neighborhood. And so I, 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 I thank you for clarifying that because I think some people just automatically think, um, you know, I'm called to ministry or I'm called to be a pastor's wife. Or that means I have to like be a missionary in Africa and can never have mm. electricity, you know, whatever that looks like. And so yeah. just to clarify that following Jesus doesn't mean this, um, what a lot of people think it does. Like it doesn't just mean you have to be a pastor or a priest or whatever, sure. you know, that looks like. Yeah. Um, so tell me about a man. Uh, we came up with the name because of the woman at the well. Um, when she met Jesus, she ran back to the city and she said, come and see yeah. and let me tell you all about this man that I met that changed my life. What would you go and tell people about Jesus? Like, this is your opportunity. I mean, this podcast is, is like being heard in Germany right now. So what That's would awesome. you tell someone um, listening outside of Oklahoma, outside of the U.S. about this mm-hmm. man that you've met? And I'm going to give you maybe something else I want to touch base on, but you could answer it with this. Um, And it could relate to the tattoo on your arm. That is one of my favorite tattoos. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So, you know, I think what I would tell people um, is, you know, we've been using the three circles method a lot. And so I'm going to kind of frame it in that. 
you know, God created this world in, 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 to be to be exactly what he wanted it to be. Perfect, right, good, no brokenness, no shame, no guilt, no hurt, no hate, none of that. But uh, we, we didn't think that was enough. Adam and Eve didn't think that was enough. And they wanted more, they, they wanted to be in control. They wanted to be God. And that, caught, that, that right there is, you know, they acted upon that and, and that sin. And that sin separates us from God and creates this broken and distorted world we have. You know, people like to ask that question. If God's this good God, then why is there evil in the world? Well, there's evil in the world because we're not good. We, we are selfish sinners in need of a savior and broken people can't fix broken things. But in our brokenness, we try, I, you know, I, people try to fix their brokenness with, uh, with addictions, with, with, with substances, with relationships, uh, with fame, with fortune. For me, I was trying to fix my myself by having this perfect plan and, and uh, just meeting everybody's expectations of me, um, being a good person. And what all that led to was just, you know, ripple effects in my life of brokenness. And that just went right back into the brokenness. And so God sees that, God understands that, God realizes that in that situation, the reality is there's no hope, right? In our brokenness, we can't fix our brokenness. There's no hope. And so that's where Jesus comes in. The man comes in, Jesus. Uh, God sends him. He humbles himself because Jesus is fully God. And he comes and he lives in our in, in this world for us, lives a perfect sinless life. And instead of using that perfect that perfectness for a selfishness reason, which we would do, right? We would use that selfishly and say, no, I want the power. Jesus says, no, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to sacrifice my life for them so that they might come back into a relationship with the Father. And that's exactly what happens when we choose to make Jesus Lord of our life. That is when he becomes Savior. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, um, meaning we deserve death for all the sin that we, uh, that we accumulate, the sin that we commit. And some would say, well, I'm not as bad as a murderer. At the end of the day, our sin is, is, is sin. You know, it's, it's disobeying God. It's, it's, it's saying that God's not enough. And um, so Jesus dies for us to take our place, to pay the penalty for that. And what I love about Romans 6.23 is it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What I love about the verse is it doesn't say Jesus is Savior. It doesn't say that. It says that he is Lord. And so when you make him Lord of your life, you submit to him. And that's where you bring in the tattoo. When you let mm-hmm. Jesus be Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And you're able to give the Holy Spirit full authority and control of your life so that you might begin to become brand new, be changed over time and become like Christ. Because what happens in that moment is you're a big word, you're justified, right? You are seen as righteous before God because of Christ mm. and able to come into a relationship with him and able to live in this relationship with him and become what he intended you to become. Now that happens over a lifetime of living here on this world, but that's where God gives us the Holy Spirit to surrender our lives to and yield to and say, here, you have control. I'm letting you lead. I'll do whatever you ask. Now the kicker there is we've got to let him lead. And when we sin, what we do is we push him off the throne or we take the reins away from him and then we begin to change the direction of where we're headed and so we've got to confess our sin even as believers but also give him back control and authority Mm. so that he might have the ability to do what needs to be done and it's like well well he's in you so he should just do that yes you're right but 
he does in a sense. He, 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 he makes you aware of as a believer, hey, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. But you've got to let him have the authority and power to lead, and you've got to actually follow him. And um, that is how change happens over time. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so that's, I, I guess what I would tell people is at the end of the day, God has a plan for your life. He has provision for your life, meaning he can do whatever you need and he will give you whatever you need. Um, and God is powerful enough to, to break the chains of, of bondage that are in your life that are causing you to feel hopeless and broken and like there's no way to get out of it because he has a plan, because he has provision, because he is all powerful. And if you trust in him and in those three things, he will lead you down a path that you never would have imagined for your life. Absolutely. And that's why Dakota was called to preach because he's so good at it. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah. and I always like to think, you know, when doing three circles, which by the way, three there's a link to three circles explanation in our show notes on every show. And so we have exactly. several different resources there. And so three circles is one of those. And so if anybody wants to go to that and, and get more information, but I always love ending three circles with this idea that, you know, this God that has continually pursued you your entire life, that once you do surrender and you do make him Lord your life, now you get to pursue him. Now you get to like mm. spend your whole life just just digging in and um, understanding all these great things that he has planned for you out of Ephesians 2.10. So um, Dakota, I appreciate you. I'm super proud of you. I um, Thank you. Well, these are the good things about social media that we get to like stay in contact. And hopefully one of these days our paths will cross and we can, I can at least give you a big hug and um, yes. we can visit a little more. So, all uh, right. I'm sure they will. So thank you for having me. I know I talked a whole lot and you didn't get to ask very many questions, but, um, no, nope, that's the know, whole once point. I, get going, I just go. So, nope, that's the whole point. I'm just here to facilitate the conversation and, um, <laughs> and just to keep you on track. And, you know, if there's something that needs to be asked to be asked. All right. Any last thoughts before we wrap it up? No, I appreciate you. And, um, and I think, you know, you just keep doing what God's calling you to do. And, you know, you're, you're doing awesome. And it's been cool to see how God's used you in a lot of different ways. Well, I'm working on my obedience, let's just say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Till next time, Dakota. Uh, Be safe. Yes. Thank you. My dear friend. I want you to know that this man Jesus my guest spoke of is relentlessly pursuing you at this very moment and longs to love you unconditionally no matter your story. There's no fancy prayer or special words, just believe, trust, and surrender. We've listed several free resources in the show notes to help you begin your relationship with Jesus and to walk in His truth and love today and for eternity. And to my brothers and sisters, if you already have a relationship with Jesus, then I encourage you to continue to pray for our guests and all who listen to this podcast and to go tell others about a man that changed your life forever.